Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another podcast episode of the Westwick Entrepreneur. My name is Dave Shaw. I'm your host as always. And we have Mike from the Miked Up Podcast and the owner and founder of Social Chameleon. So thanks for joining us today, Mike. Dave, thanks so much for having me, brother. This is awesome. Yeah, man, I've known you for years. It's about damn time we got you on this thing. <laughs> Likewise, man. I'm excited to be here. I've been listening to you for about two, three years now, so. Appreciate you, man. So before we dive in today and, you know, you know, who Mike is, what he does, what problems he solves and learning his journey and his story here, I just want to tell you that today is the day for our next event at Hi-Fi Records. We actually are having our our actual event, our networking event tonight at 6 p.m. Your first beer is on us. It's legitimately in like a, a record store. So like legitimately, like think like 80s, 90s record stores you walk in. Like, yeah, we used to go in and buy CDs, kind of like that, except you can actually choose what music you want to play at the event. You can have a beer. You can talk to people about your business and who you are and, and what you do. So if you are available tonight, as in March 20th, so if you listen to this after March 20th, sorry, you missed this awesome event. But if you're listening to today of this release of this podcast episode, make sure you hop on our social media pages or our email links that we sent out to you if you subscribe to us and make sure you grab your ticket if there are actually any left. So make sure you do that today at 6 p.m. March 20th. So, Mike, let's talk about you, buddy. So we could talk about a couple of things because you do a few things here, man. So you have a awesome podcast. I love it's based on your name, like Mike Up. We had some really great guests on there. But First and foremost, Social Chameleon came first. So tell us your journey of like how that all started and we'll go from there. And, uh, and obviously tell us a little bit about your business as well. Well, first of all, again, I appreciate you having me here. And I just want to give you a shout out. Like guys, if you're tuning in, obviously like Dave, man, I've been catching you in Buffalo and just around Western New York doing all these amazing events and you're super creative. And I'm going to say there's not a person in the area that takes more action than you. Like when you get an idea, you take it and you run with it. And uh, that's why we're here right now. We're literally in like a converted studio that just came about. You got wind of it and here we are making it happen. So I uh, just, I'm Don't make me sound cooler than I am, uh, Mike. You're, you're cooler than you think you are. I'll tell you that much. So you're definitely doing some cool stuff in Buffalo. My story does start right here in Buffalo, New York, born and raised. And I grew up, I was always a kid but that, that took to creativity. Like I started playing the drums when I was about 10 years old. So I had that kind of creative energy going on. Loved film. But I when I was watching movies, like I really took to Steven Spielberg because of all his like stylized stuff and the way he would shoot things. And I couldn't really maybe articulate it when I was younger. But I knew I loved visual storytelling. Like I could watch two movies and it could be very similar. But the way a director tells a story visually and we were talking about this off camera, but like a pause, how a pause in film or pause in a conversation can be important. There's just so many ways he chooses to shoot something. So I was always taken to that. I was running around with a VHS, you know, shoulder camera when I was uh, about 10 years old with my brother. 
and we were always making productions and the neighborhood, everybody's out getting dirty, playing football. And we're making, we're like recruiting our friends after the football game, come over. You're going to be in can our we movie. Can we get some footage of that? Can we put this in the yeah, video? Well, I can definitely get you some footage. Of <laughs> we're going to get some on here. We would reenact like the three stooges and Mr. Bean. We had a character called Mr. Peanut yeah. and it was, uh, it was crazy. So I was always being creative that way. And then in school, I don't want to say it was kind of the create creativity was beaten out of me a little bit, but kind of the dream got squashed a little bit and kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do. I definitely stuck with drums and did that throughout school, but I knew that production was always something that was interesting to me that I wanted to do. So when I got into my 20s, I ended up getting into sales, but it kind of like found me. I got bit by the sales bug when I was like 22, 23 years old. Working at a music store, of course, that was a fun job for me. I was kind of the drum manager just because I was the one guy in the whole room that knew what's going on with drums. Nobody else wanted to talk about it. They're like, just throw it to Mike. He'll he'll handle that customer. (laughs) That's when I really learned sales. And I started to learn that the ability of how important it is to listen more than just talk. And I learned product knowledge. And when people would come in, yeah, I was the drum guy, but I had to know everything else too. So when it was not busy... I was checking out like competitor products, competitor stores, what like our advantage was and all that stuff. Later got recruited and actually, no, I I applied for Sleep Number, which is kind of an interesting story I'll share real quick. Previous to working at the music store, I worked at Raymore and Flanagan Furniture, which you would know it's a big local uh, store. And I was the warehouse supervisor and I always wanted to get into sales. And I had long hair because I was in a band and they told me you can't get a sales job here until you cut your hair, oh, wow. which was basically just like a slap in the face because they knew like personality wise and stuff I could do. I could definitely do the job. But at that point, 21 year old kid playing in all the clubs in Buffalo telling me to cut my hair was like if they would have handled it differently, I probably would have. So I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. That's why I took the sales job at the music store. They wanted me to look the part. <laughs> so it was totally the opposite. So you, so you worked at Sleep Number? Yeah. And so um, because of that short stint at the furniture store, I knew what Sleep Number was. And I didn't know we had a local store. Happened to be walking through the Galleria Mall with my fiance, see the sign. I'm like, Dude, I didn't know there was a store here. And I was kind of looking for the upgrade in a job at that point. Like the music store was cool, but it was barely paying the bills, mm-hmm. as you can understand. And at that point, I was just getting out of college and starting to really put my life together. I knew that we were going to be getting married soon, so I wanted to start, you know, saving up and all that good stuff. And as I saw the sleep number sign, it just hit me like maybe I, you know, I went home that night and was looking for jobs. And the first job listing on Monster that night sleep was sleep number. So I, I filled out the application and did like the whole personality quiz Saturday morning. Get a phone call on my cell phone. I'm thinking, who's bugging me like at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday? Store manager calls. And she's like, dude, everything checks out. This looks great. Come on in. I come in later that week after like two or three phone interviews. And the area manager happened to be there at the store when I came in just to meet the store manager. So I kind of like double whammy. I I won the store manager over the area manager and I got the job. I'll summarize kind of the success I had there. Like my first year with the company, I ended up being a President's Circle winner, a President's Club. That's important because when I got to go there and hang out with the CEO and the next CEO in line, they were just transitioning. And all the people I saw in the training videos was not when I was in the back room watching one of those wheel out carts yeah, at the I AB carts. Yeah. And I'm like, all the people that were in this video, I'm hanging out, have, cracking a beer with. Yeah. And, I, and it, it the light bulb went off like these are not untouchable people in an organization because I always was thinking like a big corporation. Yeah, like, big, yeah, yeah. I, I remember, I was like twenty, like younger, and didn't really have the experience of meeting business owners yet. Totally a different place from where I'm at That's today. That's really cool. 
So like, yeah, I, I love what you said there, but um, just for time purposes, we have to fast forward the story here. So yeah. I remember when we first met, you talked to me, like you just did so well with it. And then eventually you left Sleep Number, correct? Yeah. So I got recruited at that point. LinkedIn was big and I got my resume in there. I was one of the early guys on there. And I got recruited into insurance sales and I laughed at him. I'm like, I don't know anything about insurance. I got went to Liberty and I did well there for about four years. And then Sleep Number called and was like, the store manager position's open. Why don't you come back? I did that for a while and I did really well at both of those companies. But that leads me into the next part where I kind of got this itch where I just from listening to podcasts, a lot of the guys I listen to, I'm going to give a shout out to like Ed Milet and Lewis House. They had these stories where they all started from a place where they were really hurting. And it like they got to tremendous success because they believed in themselves and they went and did it. And I kept hearing like these entrepreneurial stories. I was feeding off of it. And I was also going through a divorce at the time. And so even though I was successful in business as the store manager, I was kind of like a pro bowler at my job. And then I'd go home and I was basically like, like not a lot of respect. And there was some stuff going on. The dynamics in the relationship were not very good. We talked to each other. Our daughter was two. And we, we said we're definitely like ready to go two different directions. So 31 years old at that point in an apartment, empty walls, all my life is boxed up in front of me. I had this weird, like opinion, like this weird moment where I realized like, this is all my past and my future is a blank canvas. Yeah. What do I really want to do? And I remember literally looking at myself in the mirror. That was the only thing that's hanging on the wall in my apartment at that point. And I looked, and I was like, you can do whatever you want. There is no like checks and balances as far as, and, and I'm not saying marriage is bad. Marriage is a beautiful thing. I got a lot of friends and family that have successful marriages and I'm happy for everybody who has it. But at that point in time, I just realized like, you got to be Mike again, like get back to who you are. What about that little kid running around with the camera, creating, go do something fun that you want to do. And I guess my confidence was a little, maybe higher <laughs> at that time than it maybe should have been as far as in sales because I did so well. Well, you were invigorated. I was just like, I could sell anything at this point. So I'll just start a business and sell. The funny part about that, as you and I know, is a business has so much more than only sales. And I wasn't good at the operational side of stuff. So the first couple of years- This is when you started Social Chameleon, right? I started Social Chameleon with that dream in mind. And then I quit uh, kind of the corporate landscape. And I said, I'm gonna do media and marketing because I know how to do like production side of stuff and businesses in Buffalo need help with it, I'll sell that. And I, I was super naive as far as just thinking that I can walk into a business and they're like, you know what to do with the camera, so we'll hire you. It was a little bit of a rocky road there, um, but I never gave up. And I ended up helping a friend produce his podcast. I don't know if you know Dave Mamano out of Rochester. I don't, but. Did about 50, he reminds me a lot of yourself, always doing events, entrepreneur. And um, he hired me to do like the, 50, 60 episodes of his show. And that's when I really learned the production side of podcasting, fell in love with it, launched my own show. I felt this heart tug from God where he's kind of like, you could do this too, you should and need to do this. And so I started my first episode which was a shout out to Jackie Roach. She's a friend of mine who we were meeting. I know Jackie. You know Jackie? Meeting with Jackie, shout out Jackie, thank you so much because she kept telling me like, Mike, you're doing all this stuff for all these other people and you're doing a great job for them. Like, you need to, like, put this energy into yourself a little bit. So she challenged me. She's like, you should launch your own podcast. It's in your heart. You keep talking about it. I'm going to give you two weeks. I want you to do it. <laughs> so who do you think my first guest was? I said, you know what? You I'm going to have you on. You're going to do this with me if you're going to throw me in here, right? Yeah. And then the last part of the story with that, the transition was 
once I launched Mic'd Up, it didn't even take about a month until I was getting people emailing me saying, I really love your show. Can you help me do this for us? And one of them was an existing client. And I had a little bit of a dumb and dumber moment where when she came to me and said that, I was like, oh, yeah, like I know how to, I can teach you how to do it. She's like, no, dude. I want well, you to do it. Remember the bus scene with the, the Brazilian bikini models? Yeah. Where they're like, there's a town two miles yeah, down there. Yeah, you are in luck. No, we're looking <laughs> for two guys to come on tour. Oh, it's two miles that way right. or whatever. Yeah. So I kind of did that, and they were laughing at me. They're like, we want you to produce yeah. it. So the light bulb went off. I'm like, oh, I can actually do what I love, which is producing podcasts and work on this content, and I can get paid for it. And I kind of started to throw it on my website a little bit. And then over time, what a lot of mentors said, and they were super – smart and saying this is I was doing too much. And when you when you do too much, you, you really can get yourself in a spot where you're not great at any particular thing. So I'm like, I'm gonna pick what the was link. the what do you think is the biggest thing most entrepreneurs should obviously, you know, you know, there's a billion different businesses out there. So I understand that this has to be super general, but what is one of the biggest things that you need to delegate that you wish you'd done sooner? I would say uh bookkeeping. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I have a great bookkeeper now and like without him Things would not be close. I hit a lot of my bigger. Is he a local target. guy? He's not a local guy. I was wondering. Yeah, his um, navigatingyourbooks.com, If you check them out, but they're they're fantastic. I know we want to give a shout out to local people. So if you're in Buffalo, like find your local bookkeeper. If you're an entrepreneur struggling with that stuff, because I didn't know how good I was doing or how poorly I was doing yeah. until we actually had the numbers to review it. Yeah. And when tax time came, man, it was a disaster. Oh yeah. Just, during during your going over your bank account, I heard account you talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Bookkeeping was is is huge for sure. Just just suck it up. I mean, just pay something to do. I mean, it's a few. I mean, it depends what you do, right? Some are yeah. two hundred bucks a month. Some are eight hundred. Depends on how big your business is. But either way, just suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah. Get it going. Yeah. You have bigger things to worry about. Exactly. And um, he was someone I just really respect. I, he actually is a sponsor on my show, so I get like a discounted rate on it. Oh, so wow. you just got to get smart. You're, you know who you're working with and you trust. And the other thing is like, you know, on the show, I don't promote things I don't believe in. Like I know you talk about things that you truly believe in. You're not just going to like run a toothpaste ad right now because someone's writing you a check. You know, like you'll you'll find something that you believe in. And I think that's a, a mistake a lot of people make is they're like trying to get the bigger dollars. I know that's a side that's conversation. That's a perfect break, Mike. This is brought to you by – I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but dude, dude yeah. that, that that's awesome. That's so awesome. You, how many guests have you had so far on your um, podcast? 174. Which is amazing. Congrats, by the way, brother. Yeah. I think something like I saw a crazy stat like 90% of podcasts in the world don't make it past eight episodes. Yeah. Think about that for a second, right? So you're like in the top 1% of the 1%, Mike. Congrats yeah. to you, brother. So so of all the guests that you've had on your show, so let's say somebody wanted to start a podcast. So let's, let's get into your expertise, okay? Because yeah. a social chameleon, you help people produce their show. And really, once they record it and do the video, you take it from there. So let me ask you this question. So when people... I get, I'm sure you get asked all the time, how do I do a podcast? What do people need to know before they're even thinking about starting a podcast? The do's and don'ts, what they need to know. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm very proud of the 174 because it's consecutive Mondays. I haven't missed a Monday. But the number one thing when someone's launching a podcast, they'll ask you is why. Because if I find out that the only reason they want to do it is to monetize it or they're thinking like about some big, they see someone making money like Rogan gets a $10 million deal with Spotify. So they're like, I'm going to, like, they might be hurting. So I'm going to start a podcast. That's my way in. Not going to work because people will listen and tune in the content that has great purpose and it's well done. And when it's, when we talk about podcasting, you can literally go from thrown together and record it on your phone with zero editing and zero intro, outro. I'm not saying that the show's bad. The, the actual meat or quality of the show 
content might be good. But now that we're in this level of how many people are listening to podcasts and been listening for years now, I feel like that certainly will throw a wrench into things if they're tuning in and it just doesn't sound up to par with the others. So you got to have good quality equipment. Quality is important. Yeah. And you can even like now with the, the, there's things out there like if you're recording first on your phone, upgrade to the next thing. Like get a Blue Yeti. It's a hundred bucks. If once you start to get really good at doing it, then upgrade to something like an SM7B or the Sure MV7. I'm, I'm not getting paid by Sure to say that. No but affiliate links here. No affiliate <laughs> links or anything. But I know that those are quality and I've used both of those and we're using those right now, the SM7B. But like, you know, once you can get there, continue to upgrade. Just like in life, like you continue to get better. Like yeah. you, you, you drive your beater car. And then you, and then, yeah. you're, when you're in college, you probably have, you know, a car that gets you back and forth to college or whatever or to work. And then eventually you can graduate. So I, I would say in podcasting, a budget's a concern. Do it that way. Don't don't let that stop you from getting started, but you should graduate over time. You shouldn't be two yeah. years in and your show still looks and sounds the same. Hey, really quick. I just interrupt your podcast really quick to ask you a simple question from one of our business sponsors of the Western Entrepreneur Podcast. Do you need a lawyer? If you own a business, then yes. From business formation, operating agreements, corporate contracts, licensing agreements, and employment contracts to business litigation, every business needs a great lawyer in its corner. The business attorneys at Rump Base Falls Grab Cunningham, customize every solution to the needs of your business while keeping you in compliance of local, state, and federal laws. Visit our website today at rumpbase.com. That's R-U-P-P-B-A-S-E.com. Rump Base Falls Grab Cunningham, people at law. Now, back to your podcast. I mean, I got my first microphone, 20 bucks. It's a Bluetooth Yeti. Some gamer was using it. I barely even used it, 20 bucks. I'm like, sounds great. So I got like a 100-hour mic for 20 bucks. That's what I used. And then I, and then we upgraded. Like, oh, I need two mics because when I have someone, I want them to have their own mic, their own channel, if you will. Yeah. And uh, so we did that. And then here we are. You know, things have really just kind of transitioned over the years right. here. But that being said, man, when people are picking content guests, places to be if you will where to so any any thoughts there at all i'm sure people might ask you this quite often yeah so just to finish the last thought too like buying gear too doesn't necessarily mean that your show is going to be great you definitely need a person who knows what they're doing with it too and we talked about delegating tasks a lot of people do delegate those tasks because they're the entrepreneur or the host it's not their cup of tea they're not loving it so either hire someone whether it's remotely it's a little shameless plug to social media. Yeah, that's what we do. But that that makes sense. Put the right people in place. The next level is like figuring out what your content is, like you're talking about or location, things like that. That's really super important to have a roadmap to understand. We talked about the why, but like, okay, so you're going to interview people. Is it just because you want to talk to people or like what's the purpose of them coming on your show? So once you get really laser focused, like I'm, for me, it's a lot of positive minded conversations similar to your show. And kind of I pick their brain, get deep into their story, because I know the people who are listening are a lot of early stage startup entrepreneurs who run into these roadblocks like I did. And I was trying to, you know, get all that information early on. And now it's like, oh, I can be a source of that information. Kind of a give back. Like I got a lot. Podcasting taught me way more than I learned in school. And so I want to also continue to get more voices and into that conversation. And then the other part of it is like for me in, in particular about Mic'd Up. I do interview some people who you may know because they're like pretty big on social media and stuff. And I've been blessed to have 
bigger guests, I guess, if you want to call it that from a, from a following standpoint, but it's not always the, you know, influencer with a million followers that is the most downloaded episode. And a lot of times it's someone who has, they're getting started. Maybe they're in like chapter two of their story and it just blows your mind. And it's like, this is a fantastic episode. So it's not always about chasing like the bigger name. Go for like the really great story and the thing that you know your audience is going to benefit from. And I would say like once you have that figured out, that's your thing. But every show is different. It's just matter like know what you're think about if your show was on like NBC or a big network and they're going to sit down with you and say like, why should we put you on at eight o'clock at night on our biggest day of the week? You're like you have to have a good answer for that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just you're just making content. It's just gonna float out there and not have good. Right. Purpose. Like I think most of the time you can't unless you have a big name like Joe Rogan, like Elon Musk. Like they could sell a you know a, a rug and it's gonna go for a million dollars, right? Because it's Elon Musk's rug, right? But Dave Schaub, you're like this rug's worth nothing, right? So for me, I think it's so important to man. There's so much I want to say here, but basically, we need to make sure we're solving problems that people want solved. Number two, it's like when you create a website, you just don't go to your website. It's like putting a, a billboard in a, in a desert. It takes time. Like I'll be completely transparent with you. I don't think anybody like really like listened to my podcast to like episode 40. Like it's just like I was putting them out there, right? In fact, when I first started, I was producing like three or four a week. I was just like, I wanted to, so that way people can kind of binge listen to them. And I'm telling you, it wasn't until like six, eight months into this that I felt like people started really noticing where people say, oh yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. Somebody like, I didn't know you had a podcast. I'm on like episode 25. What do you mean you didn't know I have had a podcast? So for me, it takes consistency. It's not unless you have a big name out there or a lot of money that's been on marketing. It's really tough to blow off off the bat. It really takes. That's the next word I was going to use is consistency. And that's really where I've seen the shows that I've produced as well get successful is because they're sticking around. Uh, most of the shows that I'm producing today are all in the top 10% most downloaded. But you get there by consistency. And it's like anything even in sales too. Like people see something four or five times before they're going to really invest in it, whether that's a purchase. Well, in, in podcasting, basically what you're doing is you're trying to be in the rotation. And, in, and someone cannot listen to 25 shows a week. So they're going to pick like they're going to the gym, they're driving their kids back and forth to soccer practice, whatever. you got some windshield time with them. And so you got to get in the rotation. And realize that it may be like your guest is the reason they're tuning into your show for the first time because there's that SEO search component of it too. And then you can cross-pollinate. Like most of your guests are going to want to promote the show, right? Or if you give them great content to work with, they're like, oh, the free social media content to put on my my pages today, right? And if it's good stuff, they will. And then their uh, followers will now become someone who listens to your show. So that's happened a lot. I've had people like come to me because they're tuning in to some of the guests on the show. And the other cool thing is like, if you literally care and put the love and care into doing your show, I'm not talking to you specifically, yeah, no, but I, I'm also talking to you, but anyone who's tuning in right now, realize that a lot of people are podcasting now, but they do it almost like they go to the gym. They're just in there, out there. They, I don't know. Some people don't even prepare questions. I've been on interviews like Dave is very prepared. He actually had me pre-prepare with for, for this. Like it was very professionally done. Some people just like literally run. They just press record and, and you do you talk. So what do you want to talk about today? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're kind of like, it's almost like embarrassing because it's like they don't even know who you are. Like they're literally hearing things for the first time. They didn't even check you out. Yeah. Like beforehand. And it's not a good look. So then like the person goes on to their next interview and they don't even remember that experience. They almost try to like mentally delete it out of their memory. And I'm not trying to t- pat myself on the back, but I can share like what people have told me I'm doing good at. Yeah. 
and then I'm going to tell you what to do so you can repeat that and do it for yourself. They've said, like, Mike, you're so prepared. You knew stories about me. Like, I'll go back, maybe listen to a few minutes of a show and skim through, and something will, like, my ears perk up. Like, that's a really funny story. And then, like, when we're talking about something similar, I'll, go, I'll bring the story. I'll weave it in there. And then it's like that now they're invested in you. They're talking to, like, a longer-time friend because we got some camaraderie going now. And at the end of the interview, though, like, we uh, turn it off and everything. We're just chit-chatting. We're not recording. And they're like, dude, that was really well done. Like, you asked great questions. I'd love to either be on the show again. or And then they send me people. Like, dude, you got to yeah, go on Mike's show because it's yeah. a legit time. Like, you're going to – he's going to do his homework. You don't have that just kind of churn and burn thing. I totally agree with you, man. So, actually, that, that, that leads me to my next question. By the way, we only have, like, five minutes left. Okay. Because we, we try to keep it to, like, 30 minutes or so. But with that being said, man, so a lot of times, like, you know, a week does not go by where someone says, oh, can I be on your podcast? Can I be on your podcast? And, and you know, so for me to help filter that out, I've had to do, like, uh, you fill it out, like, a, like an application, right? Just so – because a lot of people fill out, and, and, I mean, no disrespect in any way, shape, or form – but they, they, you know, like, for example, like, oh, I'm doing this part time or I've only been doing this for four months. And like, that's great. Like, we all have to start somewhere. Right. But, you know, we want people that have kind of like at this point, if I like, kind of been there, done that or at least have had some uh, base level of success to do that. So if this helps me filter out a lot of those those uh, those applications, it's just a time thing. So how do you how do you choose guests, Mike? Like when you have people on there, is there something you're looking for or when people are looking for guests? What do you think they should look for to make sure they have the right guests on their podcast? That is actually a really good question. Uh, the first thing, I, I've been blessed, man. I have a lot of people come to me, so I am, I am able to be a little bit choosy, if you will. But the number one thing like I'm, I get more excited about or I feel good about or the confidence level going into an interview is stronger is if I go and I see that they've either done it before, there's some content with this person speaking in an interview format, and I see that they're either a good storyteller and also, again, I check people out to make sure they're legit because you could have 500,000 Instagram followers and you could have bought all of them. Yep. And so, you know, just be smart, like check someone out. If they have 500,000 followers on Instagram and you go to their YouTube channel and all their videos have three views, it's probably not, it's not adding up. Like if this person, so I, I do my homework on someone just to make sure it's not to try to find out that they're fake. It's actually just to make sure that they're real. Like I want people. So I just make sure that the, the, person's going to be someone who's they're not uncomfortable on the camera so you know it could be sometimes i interview someone and it is their first time because yep. they may be coming from an industry where i'm super interested in picking their yep. brain but they've just never been interviewed before but most of the people now that i'm this far through it and podcasting has been out so much so long that it's usually not their first interview so i kind of like again do your homework and see who you feel is going to be a good dancing partner that's really good. And I think, you know, just to piggyback off what you said here, I think prep work is huge. Like, that's why I've, I've learned the hard way to do that. You know, like, oh, you have this whole thing. You, it's so organized. Yeah, that's four years ago. I wasn't that way. I'm like, I would push record. In fact, if you listen, if you if you want to, you want, you want, you want a good laugh, why don't you listen to my first 20 episodes? You're going to listen to some of the quality of the mics. I got better mics. You know, you can tell they were better prepared. Because you don't know until you really dive into that arena, right? We don't know until we get in there. But for me, it's like doing the prep work because you just want to be prepared. You want them to know, hey, this is what we're looking for. This is the, the route we're kind of going towards here. Because every podcast is completely different. So that being said, man, one last question here. And based out, I'll only keep it open-ended so that way you can kind of answer the way you want to. But anything else do you think that people that are thinking about starting a podcast or they are in a podcast – 
that if you had a mic into the world of those people like, hey, start doing this or stop doing this, or hey, maybe you need to offload this, anything that, that kind of comes to mind with podcasts that you wish people would be more uh, pay attention to, I guess. Yeah, I'd say, again, figure out why you're doing it, number one. And then once you kind of have that answer, understand what your threshold is and how long you're going to go. If it's something that you need to be making money doing, it's probably not the right decision. You got to go and do some sales activity or whatever. Like, don't let it get in the way of that if that's more important at the at this time. But I know when I started, I said I don't care if I make a dollar on this thing. I know that this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it really forever until I have a good reason to not do it. And so, to me, I think the fact that I didn't really wasn't so focused on like I need to monetize it right away kind of allowed me to focus on the right things for it, the stories, the people, the production, all the, the, the doing it for like the right reasons and I have actually been able to monetize That's it. That's your right because I had space. So boom, like like yeah. So make sure you can commit to it and say I'm going to do this at least for a year and not give up on myself. Because then you get your head in the right place, like you're solving for the right thing. I love this. So I said that was the last question, but here's actually the legit last question. So obviously, you have your merch that you're wearing. I get the head here, the BGBG. It's uh, Be Grateful. So you can say it, right? Yeah, Be Great and Be Grateful. Yeah, Be Great and Be Grateful. So tell us about that. What inspired that? What made you start your own, you know, your own merchandise? Tell us the story behind that real quick. Yeah, real cool. So interviewing a ton of people, you kind of get like the common denominators of things that keep coming up on the show a lot. And gratitude is something that coming up with some of the most successful people. It was almost like, you know, they, they eat right, they go to the gym, they do all the right things in their business. And gratitude was a big part of it. And I started to get really interested in it. And the more I looked into it, when you start your day in gratitude and end it, it kind of bookends. And you literally are thinking what you're grateful for. And it could be just the fact that you have clothes you can wear that day, that you have fresh coffee, that you get to spend time with your family. It doesn't have to be like these huge long-term things you're grateful for. It could be very things that may be every day. And, but when you're actually in the mode of feeling that, I say feeling it because it's not just thinking like, oh, this it's not snowing today. I'm happy about that. But if you really think about like, man, I didn't have to, you know, de-ice my car today. And like, and, and you're feeling it. You cannot in that moment be depressed, sad, angry, frustrated, like you're you're feeling kind of that blissful moment. And if you do that for a few times in the morning, you kind of start off in the right headspace. Yeah. And at the end of a long day, good, bad, or ugly, and you reset that battery kind of thing, um, it just you just go to bed with a, a better energy and you feel like I'm gonna re-energize and you wake up and then you touch on it again. It does do something special for you. I agree, so. man. It's like revelation. We all know. Be grateful. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But when it goes from here uh-huh. to here. Into the heart, yeah. It's a, it's a completely different story, right? You don't have to tell a grateful person to be nicer. They're just naturally nicer, right? Yeah. You know, hurt people hurt people. Happy people do happy people things, right? So for me, it's like, yeah, it's when it goes from here to here. That's so huge. And um, I was just wondering, I want to do a shout out for the merch, man. Yeah. MikedUpMerch.com. And 100% of it, any profit I make actually goes back to organizations somewhere in Buffalo like Buffalo Gives or uh, Hope Rises are a couple of local yeah, ones. Yeah, Angel Vacancy. Shout yeah. out to you guys. Yeah, and uh, and I also, you know, what I do is every time I get like $50, basically like like a block of 50 bucks, then I just I'll do like donation. Yeah. You know, and I pick like a different organization that's heavy on my heart and I do that. So do I have like one more minute to just spit out the final thing on my head here? Go for it. So if you're listening to this right now, and this is a lot of early stage entrepreneurs or you're kind of thinking about entrepreneurship, The thing I will tell you most importantly is find the thing that you actually love that other people can benefit from. For me, it was podcasting. I just love this. And other people are willing to pay to do it. 
So like whatever it is, if you're if you love soccer and you love coaching people, like find a way to do like either online soccer coaching or whatever, monetize it. I'm not saying leave your job if you need a corporate job like I did. Or I kind of pay your bills. Yeah. I had to jump out of the plane and figure out how to build a parachute. But like that's not good for everybody. Like for me, I had to do it that way, or because if my foot's on land and in the water, I, I would easily go back to land. I needed to be thrown into the ocean to figure it all out. But just find your thing and figure out the way that you can monetize it. It could be a side hustle forever, or five years from now, it can be this lucrative thing that you built. And be like Dave, take action, don't talk about it, and game plan it for 10 years. Like, have an idea where you want to go. And, you know, think I got here today because I put the coordinates in my phone and I got here. But if Dave just said it's a brick building around the corner, I'd still be looking for it. So find your roadmap, where you want to go. And, and there are people out there that need what you do. Figure that out and go and do it. Yeah, man. I love it. That, that's a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> so for those that love to connect with you, Mike, they like whether they're thinking about starting a podcast or looking to offload some things, because obviously Social Chameleon does that. What's the best way to connect with you? Some people with their cell phones out, people with their emails out, whatever you feel comfortable. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? I hang out the most on Instagram. Yeah. So it's just on Instagram at Mike DeChocho. I'm sure they'll be clickable in the show notes for you. And then the website, if you want to uh, tune into Social Chameleon, it's socialchameleon.us. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at, man. So anyways, appreciate your time today, Mike. Thanks for for, uh, for finally sitting in the seat across from me here, man. I'm, I'm glad to get, to get you on here. And uh, I, I know our audience will love this. Yeah, total honor to be here, brother. Thank you. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to wnyentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.